0: Timer up. Up to two. Ah! Look, up.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Through the Thirds Podcast with your host, Alistair Feezy. Hi guys, I hope you're all well and safe. We have Paul, John and Andy from go For goal again on today. We're going to continue where we left off last time. We explore their link with Spain, what drove them to have football tours over there and discuss how important it is to be doing something for ourselves within the times we're in now. I hope you enjoy. Boys, thanks a lot for coming on again. I appreciate it. Um, I know you do a lot of classroom sessions. How important do you feel that is to players' development?
2: Well, we found them very, very important and beneficial. Um, we first came up with the idea when we studied in Spain. Uh, they don't actually do it on a regular basis. What, what they do is they've got a facility where, like the academies, they take the players into the classroom either before a session or or before a game and we found the effect of it was really good and, and talking to Callum at the time who's was one of our our players that we we put out in the academy out there he found it really beneficial so when we got back uh, we discussed the idea and we introduced it um, and in the first first year we kind of did it for half an hour before a session um, and then we reviewed it at the end of that season. And, and we found that the older players kind of took stuff on board. But the younger players, it, it was a bit too much to do it, actually, before a session. So we reviewed it. And then the following year, uh, which was actually last season, uh, we decided that on on, on a road one week at the academy, they would come in and only do a classroom as opposed to their, to their practical session. And it's worked really well. Um, and we just, we'd just do various topics. Um, a lot of it was to do with the methodology, methodology initially, but then we do various things like, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the five C's. Do you know the, the five C's? We did that. Um, uh, we, we do tactical stuff with them. Um, and there's interaction as well, which is probably the most interesting thing. When, when you see the young players, uh, you know, we've discussed it before about how much they know that we don't give them credit for. But it really comes out when you do the... the the interaction so we split them into groups they'll have a tactic board between them and they'll have a task you know based on what what we've we've done for instance one of our sessions was triangulation why is why is that important um and we did a presentation and then they went off and we said okay you know here's a tactic board show us where where you can form triangles and everything and um you know it was it was great they stimulated them and interestingly you know, without asking, they turned around and said, "Well, they're important also out of possession because we can win the ball back, etc. Because we're normally outnumbered and you know, outnumbering the opposition and stuff." Um, and from the success of that, we now think together. We think John's just done a fantastic goalkeeping one, which was a pilot, which is which is excellent. So, as a group, we just think of different ideas and and pop them in. So they're growing, growing really good.
1: You said that like, you talk about methodology in the, in the classroom sessions. What? Kind of, what do you discuss with the players? Is it quite detailed? Is it quite just kind of basic? How we're playing,
2: things like that. Well, it's it's basic because what you don't want to do in the classroom is confuse them. Because you know, it, especially now, if we we discussed last week, didn't we, about how much information there is out on the internet. And if you you know, if you relate that to us as coaches, we can we can suffocate ourselves with an overload but if the players it's so easy to do that and give them too much and and actually they don't then take anything in so we keep it simple based on what our methodology our training and and how the the players can implement that into the game where do they take it into the game so it's very you know we keep it as simple as possible
0: Professor Chris Howard it was and?
2: Chris Howard that was it yeah thanks Paul Nice one. Both seas, yeah. He's, uh, I think he's still at Um.
1: So do you want to expand on more like your link with Spain?
2: Yeah, Paul, John, do you want to take up on that? Or I can jump in a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to take us through the journey and how we found the place and then, and then we'll kind of, uh, I'll touch on a little bit of what we're doing now with, with the guys over there with the tours and stuff. And if you want to okay. just... Uh, Fill everyone in well,
2: with how we've stumbled across it. Yeah, it was. Uh, we always had an interest that I, I as a coach, always had the, an interest in how, you know, that they play, not just not in Spain, but in Catalonia, you know, it's, it's a unique style and everyone's buzzing about it over the last few years because of obviously how Barcelona played and then Cruyff has taken that on. Uh, sorry, Guardiola's taken on, but it, it all started with Cruyff, so it's got a big link back to the, to the Dutch. And when you look into it deeper and deeper, you, you realise how much of an influence that, that, that is. So having had that interest, you know, I was studying extensively here uh, in the UK. Um, and then Jan, our, our third partner, um, bought Bromby in Denmark. And when he bought the club, uh, shortly after he bought it, I flew out there with, with the team of coaches that I had. And Albert Capellas, Was one of his first recruits, Um, Thomas Frank, who's now Brentford's manager, was was the manager of Bromby, young young manager, and the sports director Pearhood brought in Albert Capellas. So it was my first meeting with Albert, and and from there I was I was kind of mesmerised and blown away by the guy. So watching them, you know, working with the kids, looking how they put the sessions together, and then, you know, we'd go back and have a coffee. After working with some of the youth players, and then we'd go off to the first team training area, you know, and I'm on pitch side with Albert and Thomas watching them train the first team. You know, Daniel Agger was captain at the time and everything. And I remember being very excited because Albert showed me the session plan as it came out of the photo, out of the printing machine. And he said, Look, look at this. And I got really excited. I said, how do I do this, I do this. And I was really buzzed up. And he said, Okay, good. He said, But when you do it, how do you do it? Where do you put the players? And I said, Oh, yeah, I just, you know, I let them. Basically, I let him play everywhere, and he went. Okay, you'll see the difference when we get on the pitch. So, whilst it was a simple difference, it was a massive difference because it was a box practice or rondos, as it's sometimes called. But they played; everyone's played in their position. So then you start to understand possession and position. And if I'm honest, I didn't really fully understand the importance of the positional aspect. So, I, you know, in a in a, a one and a half hour session, watching them and, and watching people like Daniel Agger. Be so good on the ball, but then he he kept saying to me, "What are you observing? What are you observing?" And I said, "No matter where the play went, the the players were in their position So if it went 180s, they they stayed in their positions. It was fantastic."
0: Um,
2: and from there, as luck would have it, I came back sort of buzzing. Paul obviously was was with us. He was coaching football, but he wasn't actually on board with the company. He was still in with with the FA, but I was enthused about it and everything. And then one of the parents that was uh, that i had uh, with us he was a manager at leatherhead as well um he he like, i coached these boys from 10 so we were playing kind of possession football anyway jan then said there was a tournament at Bromby, an annual tournament that they hold similar to the Gothia cup but not quite as big um and because obviously we had the connection with Jan, we took a load of teams out there and one team we put into the academy tournament and the rest played in in the, the sort of grassroots tournament if you like and um, and it was brilliant it was a fantastic trip when we came back everyone was really excited about the tour this guy pulled at the, the data this um good team we had that the boys were growing up and he said andy the tour was so good and they're coming to the end of their journey i want to take them on another tour and he found a place in spain and um, and he just said to me, listen, I'm flying out to Spain. I've seen this. It looks brilliant. But before I commit to it, I want to go and see it because it, it doesn't, it, I can't work out how it can be this price to give everything a give. So I, I think there's a catch. And rather than commit and blah, blah, I'm going to fly out there. And I don't know what possessed me, but I said, yeah, book me a flight. And that's literally what happened. I said, I'll come with you. Um, and it's how fate works. Had I not done that, we would not have this link this with Spain. So we fly out there. We meet the English guy who's... who's
0: I took I, I, I one for a team and stayed at home. Yeah. <laughs> In the rain. In the rain, because it was February.
2: It was February, yeah. It was, it, was late, it was late January, early February. That was it. I think it was a week before my birthday, actually. Um, so we get out there. this, And uh, I think the second day, I it was a bit nippy. And I had a, a go-for-go top one. So we went to uh, meet this guy. And he looked at my, my logo and said, what's that? And I said, oh, it's my, my coaching company. He said, oh, I thought you guys were a football team. And I said, yeah, we, we, we are. I said, Paul's got a football team that I coach amongst the others. And he wants to bring them out here for a tour. But I've, I've got a coaching company. And he said, oh, um, right, in that case, you need, I'm going to introduce you to the guys that, that own the complex and everything. He said, I, I think you'll be very interested. So when we get, went up to the complex, which John and Paul obviously know we've been out there quite a lot. Your first, The first time you get there, you just go, wow, it is very, very impressive. And it's even more so now. So I've gone, wow, this is unbelievable. So Eden said, right, well, I've arranged a, a meeting. You're going to meet the head guy. And because I'm in Catalonia, a place called Cambrils, the football centre's called Football Salut, um, I'm thinking, right, Albert Cabellas in, in Denmark, he's from this area. So when I meet this guy, I'm just going to drop his name to try and break the ice, you know, and, and it, it's like, a because it's always good a bit of familiarity. So I get introduced. His guy's name's also Albert. His name's Albert Vinas, and he's the head of the Catalan, Catalan uh, Coaches Federation. So he's, he's like quite a head guy, top coach. So I go in his office, uh, I get introduced, I shake his hand and I said, uh, my, my business partner, one well, of my business partners owns Bromby in Denmark. And I'm I'm about to say, and one of his coaches is Albert Capellas. Do you know? Mm. And before I finished, he went, Oh, you know, if you know if you know Bromby, you know my best friend Albert Capellas. And I said, That's what I was going to say. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, Look, and I showed him my phone, and I went, yeah, He's the professor. To this day, Albert Capellas in my phone is the professor. He's not called Albert because to me is the professor. He's the daddy. So it was fate. They went to school together. They worked at Barca and all that together. So. He didn't, listen, he didn't know me really from Adam. So he went, okay, blah, blah, blah. Next next day, um, we talk a bit more. Paul, who was the dad, said to me, what do you think of this place? And with regards to Cal and his son, because they've got an international academy. And I said, Paul, if you can, put him out here. And that's really how the journey started. I mean, I phoned Paul up from there. And I said, Paul, we've got to get out here. This place is incredible. Um, And they were connected with Futsal and everything. So that was in the February, by the March, yeah, late January, February, but by the end of March, we've taken eight boys out there to play futsal. Um, and that's how it all started. They loved how the boys played. We beat Nastique on, you know, one of the oldest futsal courts in, in Spain. Beautiful it was, wasn't it, Paul? Um, yeah. and and that's how it all started. They they liked the boys. The best compliment they could have given me and Paul, they they said, Oh, these boys aren't English because of the way they played. Um And then they asked, could we do a smart football masterclass with them? Because although we were there doing futsal, they took us to the complex and they did this smart football, which was basically what we did, but on a much higher level. And that's how the whole relationship started. Albert Vignas came to the hotel, to the resort, to have breakfast, or coffee, Paul and I having breakfast. And he said, listen, um, I've got an idea if you want to take this to England, I'm happy. So basically, he had talked to Albert uh, Capellas about us. Maybe you know, just got the heads up on us. He told them, "Yeah, we're we're sound," um, and that's where it all started. Um, and it was brilliant. So we, we then ended up getting Smart Football. We trained Paul and I went out there, did the level one, level two, in the same week, and came back uh, a few months later. We got the license and launched Smart Football um, over here. Um, and i think john you've been out there twice now haven't
3: you know three times yeah no twice yeah yeah
2: Hank's been there twice you know any excuse we we that we can we we get to go out there it's, it's lovely great culture the football in is par excellence um it's just great um and now it's sort of gone full circle all these years have gone by Albert Capellas has remained a mentor he he's um contractor uh, Bromby finished. He went on to work with Geordie Cruyff, who he's a good friend with. They went to Maccabee. He's worked with Peter Boss at uh, Borussia Dortmund. He's worked in Holland, uh, Belgium. He's he's one of the world's top coaches and authorities on possession football. Um, and now we're collaborating with him. He's been a mentor for all this time. And now we're collaborating with him. So it's gone full circle. Um, and then, then it's evolved into other things which Paul will, will come on to now. Um, so I'll pass you on to Paul and he'll extend on to what we've done with Spain with that link. But it's been a great journey,
0: which will continue.
1: That's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I think, I think on, just on the, on the back of that, the, the, first, the first trip that we did out there when we took the eight boys, um, it, it, was, it was a little bit selfish from our point of view because we just wanted to get out there again um i needed to see the place and andy had obviously seen it and uh and we just wanted to go and see what it's like what it's like taking a team on tour um so eight boys was perfect even though we couldn't play football we had to end up playing futsal over there which was no problem at all cuz all the boys played futsal and we got some great results out there but what it did was it it showed us how you can structure something where you're taking boys away to play football and You know, I did it when I was younger. I went on tour, but I went on tour to play matches, tournaments and things like that. And a lot of the things we did was always tournament based. And what struck us over there is it was more of a football playing experience. Um, And that gave us an idea that if we could take boys from the UK or from wherever in the world and take them out to Barcelona, a hotbed of football, show them barcelona show them the way over there show them the way of football over there which is an unbelievable way of playing and give them a football playing experience as opposed to you're just going on a on a tour you're jumping in the swimming pool and kind of winning matches 12 nil losing matches 10 nil and and you don't really know what's what's going on there so we had this idea to expand the business into the touring side of things but with a little bit of a of a different approach to it, um, which is why we've kept it quite insular, quite close to to what we've been doing. Um, And we've taken seven squads out there now over time where each time we've taken them, we've just added a little bit extra in. So they'll do this new camp tour and things like that. But each time we've gone, we've just added something else in which assists in making it more of a, a football playing experience as opposed to just jumping on a plane and going and seeing a Premier League game or something like that. We we wanted them to actually live the life of what a pro would live like um, in, in the training and what better place to do it than like the beautiful surroundings down in Cambrils with the football centre and everything else that they've, that they've got there. So they get to kind of live like a pro for the week that they're out there. And that was the idea behind it. And we're at a stage now where we took our first big, group over there in February, just gone. Um, luckily, we got out there and got back safely before everything um, kind of disrupted what was going on. And, you know, at some point we'll be back again, taking teams over there. But we took 90, 90 players and parents over from, from Leatherhead, from the club that we, that we coach at. And um, it was a challenging trip and it just showed that you can take a big group over there. They can still get all the, you know, varying ranges of ability. But the key was, if we'd have thrown them into a tournament, the different range of ability, you'd have had half of them coming back delighted because they might have gone and won the tournament, and the other half come back really deflated because they've been smashed in every game they've played over there because of the different, different levels. Whereas they went out there and they all came back buzzing because they'd all played in competitive matches but streamed appropriately. They all took part in the in the master classes over there but at the level that they can play to. So... It, we feel we've we've kind of shaped the 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 touring offer now that, that we do at go for Goal to being kind of almost the anyone can go, but when they go, it comes with a guarantee that they're going to have a real high end football experience um, and from it and and see what it's like to kind of live the life of a footballer as opposed to just going on a bit of a jolly with a bit of football included as well, and that's that's what we've that's what we've built we're really excited about it and yeah. and, it, and it, it's good it it, it looks good and, and you know going playing and going around that stadium alone's worth it going around the new camp and seeing yeah. Messi's yeah. Ballon d'Ors is is worth the trip um in itself yeah. I mean, the seven times we've been we've gone in the new camp every time so you know it's always it's always good to go and see
1: what well, um what would the normal week be like then for the boys for the players well
2: i mean they they, the the resort. It, the, I mean, the, the whole place. It, it just lends itself to to that kind of experience. Was one you've got the weather. The resort. It, it's just impossible to describe without seeing it. it. They they just thought of everything. So, you know, the experience is great. They, 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 it's not too far from the center. There's another hotel we use that that we found through through research. And when when the resort is in a peak season we can't stay there because it's basically a holiday resort. So we found another hotel and it it, it just coincided that that the the manager's been there since he was 22 years old and he's real old school and he he knows everything about football. So teams like Villarreal uh, and and, the like that come from other parts of Spain when they come for winter training and stuff, they stay at his hotel. So when we went there, he knew everything we'd want, right down to do you want specialist food? You know everything. They just can't do enough for you. So, so we were just, you know, so excited about it. So the itinerary for a, a general week is: we we land, depending on what time the flights go in, they 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 settle down in the resort. You know, there's four swimming pools there. There's a spa, fantastic food and all that. So they they settle in, and then we normally book the first masterclass, which is a coaching masterclass, the next day, around eleven o'clock. They have that for an hour and a half. Go back, um, eat, chill out, you know, relax a bit, and then the games program starts. So, at first, we 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 we've learned because we we were sometimes doing three games in one week plus training, and and in that kind of heat, it's sometimes too much for the players. So by the time they get to the last game, they're so fatigued that they can't get anything out of it. So now we tend to be a bit bit more guarded with that. So we generally do two two games depending on the time and then the master classes, and then the the tour to Barca, Camp Nou um, and then Las Ramblas. You know, Barcelona is one of the most beautiful cities in the world Um, and every time we go there's always something different. You know, we call it our second home. We really do and we mean that. The people, you know, they're like family. I remember saying to Paul, Paul, I think we went there the second time and, you know, they embrace you and I said, Paul, every time we come here that we got, we feel closer and closer to them, and it's genuine, isn't it, Paul? It's 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 there's this there's this real warmth about it, and how they the characters had a they, they're so upbeat about the players. You know, this year we took the youngest group, first time we have taken such young groups, and you know there was one dad who who was sceptical. He's a he's a dad manager at Leatherhead, and you know he he came up I think on the third day and he said, listen, I'll be booking this up straight away for them to go again next year and parents are coming up and that's kind of the, the, the feedback we get is that it's that good, they just want to do it again um, and like Paul said, the key thing is where we've made it a football experience rather than tournaments because they hold there, they hold a tournament called a Mare Nostrum um, around Easter time. It's one of the biggest football tours in, in Europe That I think they're launching in America as well And it's growing and growing bigger. But if I'm honest, I'd be anywhere but there during that time because it's mayhem, Um, and it's not a football, real footballing experience. Here you're getting a proper football experience. If you want that sort of football, anyone who likes that kind of football, possession, position-based football, um, very intelligent football, then it's a dream. But like Jonesy said as well, it's for everybody. You don't have to have the master classes. It's the biggest facility outside of Real Madrid Barca's training ground in Spain and they're adding to it all the time. John, I mean, John will tell you now on our last trip, he, he, you know, he'll tell you how it's changed and what they've added, yeah. you know, because yeah. Paul didn't come out on this trip and we obviously sent filming that back. So, I mean, you know, maybe it'd be nice if you sort of said a bit
0: about it, John, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, ironically,
0: ironically we should be doing this podcast from Spain right now because we were due to yeah. take our academy out there this week. We and we yeah. should have flown out there. We should have flown out there yesterday. It's yes. a hurtful subject at the minute when we're all sitting yes. in our houses. And we could have that's been right. doing it from, from the balcony in, over in Spain.
3: With a nice Sylvester in our hand. The only thing I will say is I don't need to go to Spain to get burnt. So that's all right. So I'm still getting that bonus. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so my experience from Spain, the first thing that, I always talk to people about is although it's a good experience for the, the players and the parents to go out, I've I've been out there twice now and it's been an unbelievable experience, not just because of the facilities, but the culture out there. I mean, it's impossible not to have a good time with the facilities they've got. Um but for me personally, the the relationships you end up building with the players and the parents as well. I mean, there's a it's about a fifteen, twenty minute walk from where you're staying when you go and play your, your friendlies against the uh, whoever's out there. Um, and that time, you get a chance to actually talk to the parents a, a bit and you get to talk to the kids, etc., about what's been their favourite part about the trip and what they do outside of playing football. Because on a weekly basis, when we're back home, you only really work with them once a week for an hour and a half and they're there to talk about football and um, play football. When you're in Spain, you get... To, I mean, for instance, I, I, I work quite closely with our uh, current underage squad and we took 10 of their players out across the age group this year um, and I'm basically just playing games with them whilst we're walking up along the road, sort of setting up riddles and asking them questions. And it's amazing to find out how much they actually know about football and what other sports they enjoy doing. I mean, one of the players we work with, he, um, he's actually quite a keen fencer I don't know if that's the right terminology but he he does fencing amongst other tennis and he plays loads of different sports which obviously you never really know about unless you actually get to know uh, the boys who you're working with and it's yeah I mean like Andy said with the what they're building all the time I mean not only is it picturesque and obviously Ali you'd love that because you love your scenery but you go there and it's it's impossible not to just want to play football or not want to learn whilst you're out there and just enjoy the experience. Um, yeah, so have we just probably fake that Andy stumbled across it and we've managed to uh, strike a partnership.
0: And that's a bit of a coach from the old rainy night in Stoke, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me that any day.
2: But from a coach's no, remember... point, point of view, it's fantastic, honestly. I mean, I remember John coming back. After his first trip, we 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 arranged for him to go off to do some uh, work with a, the goalkeeping coach out there. Yeah. But, but we didn't, you know, tell him that he was actually connected with Barca and that. And he came back buzzing, John. We were still at a resort, and John came back, and it just looked like he'd had a fantastic time. So those experiences working alongside these coaches and and seeing how they operate and and everything, it's you just learn. Like all of us, I mean you know we all say coaches learn from coaches obviously but for me that's one of the the best things as well it's a it's it's a great experience but seeing those guys operate there um it kind of it buzzes you up when you come back you're you're kind of motivated
3: more than you're not you are anyway do you know what i mean if that yeah. makes sense yeah gives yeah. you a fresh lease of life doesn't it once you mm. what you learn you want to put into it's like a child with a new toy like you have gained a new experience you want to go out and do it but we'll play with it or mm. do it if not me yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean like even going Madrid last year I know it was upsetting for me and John but oh here we go. the football the football culture like oh. football culture just yeah. I'll beat it. and that was just, yeah. just just yeah phenomenal really um, yeah. so obviously you got um you're working in Leatherhead so do you have you seen this kind of progress through each age group like the methodology and then is that linked oh. into their their first yeah. team as well?
2: yeah hugely not well unfortunately it doesn't link into their first team but wow. you know that that journey's gone for as, as well yeah not yet um it's it's weird how fate i know this sounds a bit corny but fate has kind of pulled a lot of things in my life around so I tend I tend to, to I do not tend to I do believe in fate hugely um where we are now leatherhead it's uh, a very progressive grassroots club. It's financed uh, by um, an American businessman based in, in the UK. Um, and hats off to him. You know, he, he took the place, investing in his money and, and made it a lovely facility to give, you know, kids the opportunity to play um, and, and, and enjoy their football in, in a nice facility. Um, I was introduced to him by a team that was playing now, coached them. They asked me to go over and coach them. He Then came up to me and said, Is there any chance you can coach my team, which his son was playing for? And I did. Um, and then the end of that year, he, he had a manager's meeting and, and just dropped it at the meeting and said, I'm, I want to make a proposal, so I want to make Andy director of football, um, which was a big step for me. And, and I was a bit cautious, but I, but I took it. And, and during this period when I was director of football, that's how I met Paul because we we had the opportunity to over here we've got i think you're aware of it ali we have a thing called the club charter standard yeah, yeah which was a, a good thing that the fa brought in which was just to make sure the clubs were run properly that basic things were done right etc cetera, etc cetera. so that that evolved into different levels and, and the highest level you can have you, you access funding to improve your facilities and everything so when i took the job at direct Football, i didn't have the charter Standard, so and partly that was because they kind of clashed with the local FA on a couple of things and everything. But I I went in there because I had quite a decent relationship. But I hadn't I didn't know Paul, but I knew a couple of the other people. I walked in. And I said oh, I'm going to become director of football at Leatherhead, and they said, all oh, right, great. You know I, we'll work with you then if you you know chart standard and everything, and we can get it over the line. But a couple of people were a bit uh, reluctant to get involved because of the club so Paul stepped up and said well I'll, I'll work with Andy on it I'll, I'll get it over the line and you know again fake because if Paul hadn't said that we wouldn't end up we wouldn't have ended up where we are and we just hit it off straight away uh, Paul loves futsal I love futsal so we had a, a, a kind of a link there anyway but Paul drove the project to to what it is now you've seen Leverhead Alley you've been down there haven't you so the, the, the th- lovely 3G facility all that area was completely revamped and that was all Paul worked on that project to get them the funding the the crazy thing was that the minute it was all um kind of uh signed sealed and delivered if you like and it was a goer um for some crazy reason to this day i don't know what but the chairman said to me andy i I don't actually you know i'll call it a day and he he didn't want me anymore which was just at the point where i thought we were going to go on so you know, things moved on from there. I, I went off and I had to get going on my own. But weird, the weird thing is, all these years later, he's, he's, he contacted us two years ago, and Paul and I went and saw him. Um, because through that project, Paul left the FA and joined me, and we grew our company. Um, but we went back, and he said, You know, what's the chance of you coming and doing some coaching, et cetera, et cetera? And, and we showed him smart football and there were two teams that were in a bit of bother down there we took them over halfway through the season got them straightened out and everything and they didn't get relegated the parents enjoyed it the players enjoyed it so we sat down and he said you know what he, he actually asked me if, if he could hire our coaches and i said no because paul and i take a long time to build what we've got and I'm, I'm not just gonna you know hire my coaches out i'm not an employment agency we're a coaching company so We said to him, look, what we'd advise you to do is get smart football in there for your kids because it all starts with the kids and if you can get the coaching right with them and the culture right and everything and have an identity, then, you know, we were honest with him. We said, this is what your club lacks because whilst you've got the best facility in the area by a country mile, your levels of football aren't because everyone's doing their own thing, you know. Um, And the one key thing that was missing was a proper coaching program and did a development program. So he said, you know, I don't know anything about smart football. So Paul and I did a presentation for him on it and he loved it. And thank God he he embraced it. And and you know, two seasons now coming into our third season, that the the there was a a bit of uh resistance to us, which I expected. I said to all the coaches, I said, listen, there's going to be resistance, but we go out there, we do our sessions and before long, people will see what we actually do. And the resistance was because you've got volunteer coaches naturally been there a while done their level one and don't want you know don't want this threat coming in. But we sort of said, look, we're not here to threaten you. We're here to help you. It's our profession. We do this for a living. um And it wasn't long before you know two or three people did remember me and said to to people, listen, don't worry. This you know Andy got the development centre started here everything. So people who didn't know us, they they kind of reassured them. And after about three months, it was obvious what we could do and, and, and the structure and everything. And it's just gone. It's gone like a you know a, a launch pad. It's and, and the joy of it now is people when, when the managers text us and say, hi oh, Andy, John, Jonesy, we played so and so today. And they're asking how we get the kids to play like that. And the best thing was one of the managers said to me after about six months, he said, At last we have an identity. So we knew that we were starting to, and, and you can, we can watch around. You've seen the teams training down there, alley. There's a there's a structure to it. So, you know, there's not someone over there doing shooting or someone over there doing shut, shuttle runs with 10-year-old kids. Well, if there was, I'd be shooting them anyway. Um, but <laughs> there's a proper structure to it. And then that, that uh, the upshot of that is, that is, is how the kids are, are playing at the weekend. And how they're starting to understand their football. And, you know, the, the parents and, and even some of the dad coaches, well, you know, she's just a box. And and when we did the, we did a level two course there and then we let a couple of the dads do it. And we said, go on, and you, this is your turn to be in a box practice. And they were blown away because they had, not you know, they went, oh my God, is this what comes out? So when you actually just look at it, you think that a shooting practice, uh, you know, a passive shooting practice is more important. This is the game. Um and it, and it opened a lot of their eyes up. But now they're starting to see it. And it's great. It's a really lovely environment. Um, and all because you, you see the fruits of your labour, so to speak. The boys, the players are playing some lovely football. John's got, you know, John's got the, the youngsters, the real babies. And, and, and that's where it starts. And, and, you know, there's a group he's got. that will be under nine next season. And they are just an absolute dream, you know. And a big... Yeah. I mean, obviously, big plus to John because he—he's, you know, it's one thing having a methodology, but the second thing is you've got to get it across, and he's—he's he's worked wonders with them. They—they they actually love him a bit, but I can hear him if I'm on the other side of the pitch, and and to be honest, sometimes I'm envious because I want to get over there. And they are—they just pop it around. People can't believe that they're only under eight. its It's—it's it's an absolute dream. Three of them, I think. Three of your players, four, John, three or four have come from uh,
3: development. Three, yeah, three have come from the development centre. Um. Uh, and then right. there's a couple that, um, yeah, I mean, look, look the, the, the biggest compliment I think I've had since our, we've implemented our coaching, as Andy's touched upon with the babies, we've had pro clubs come in and saying, oh, no, we want to take so and so, we want to take so and so. And the best compliment we've had, the parents have said, no, thank you. My son's enjoying his football where he is right now. And I trust and believe in these coaches who are delivering uh, the sessions. So, we're obviously doing something right. I mean, mm. um, which is massive. And it, that is the biggest thing, trying to get the trust of the parents to cause it can look a bit chaotic, especially when you're working with the younger ones and trying to get them to understand certain things. But it, it, the, the beauty of it is, it will look like chaos for 10 minutes and then suddenly this little sequence will come together it'll go bang, 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 bang. Mm. And it just, everyone sort of sort of looks and goes, wow. Sort of. And then the progression you can see is just unbelievable. And it, the, the younger you can do it, obviously you need to have more patience, but the younger you can get it into them, the better football, the more intelligent football players they're going to become. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm very look, looking forward to next season because obviously it's, this time's has given us a chance to sort of reflect and rebuild and look at ways we can improve it even further for next season. Um, and we, I think we're in a good place, to be honest. I think I'm looking forward to get back out. I think Andy and Jonesy, I'm sure they are as well. And as uh, much as as nice as it is being able to get home uh, or be home all the time and not be rocking up at 10 o'clock at night drenched, uh, I think it, the summer's coming now. It'd be nice to get out on the pitches again. Yeah, I
1: yeah. think we all lost that. Jumping on that, what well, um, what have you been? Have you been kind of keeping
3: your players busy in this time? Yeah, yeah, we've been sure. doing. Yeah, we've been. In, um, so like Andy said, we've been doing. Um, Classroom sessions for some of our players that we work with. Um, Actually delivered a goalkeeping one um, about a month ago, which was quite nerve-wracking for me because obviously I'm not fantastic at public speaking, but it was a good opportunity to learn a new skill. Um, And also for the goalkeepers, because it is a specific uh, position on the pitch, obviously there's interlinks with outfield players, etc. But there are certain criteria that you need as a goalkeeper that are different. Um, So it was nice just to be able to build a... A classroom session where I can focus solely on goalkeepers and the roles, that, the things that they go through. Because um, one of the things that comes out is that the mindset of players, because obviously as a goalkeeper, you make a mistake, it's you're the last line of the fence. It gets remembered. You remember it as well as the outfield players. Whereas the first mistake might have happened from the striker misplacing a pass or missing a tackle. So no one really recognises that. Um, so that that was good got a lot of good feedback from that so obviously off the back of the first classroom session I did um, we've actually structured another two or three that I'm looking to deliver um, either during lockdown or I've got them in reserve so when we do get back out on the pitches we can it might be a case of one week might not be a practical session it might be you know what boys we're going to go in the classroom and I want to just talk to you about this Um, so yeah that's always a good way to keep them entertained obviously we've done um log books as well, so trying to give them practical sessions to get on within the garden. Maybe set them challenges and whatnot. Um, but a lot of it is to do with reading and getting them to research stuff as well, rather than just uh, playing. They should be looking, reading football books if they're actually that interested. If they're looking up play- players like Johan Croy thinking of wh- why. Sort of using the classroom sessions that they've had previously, trying to use that in this time as well, rather than just watching videos on YouTube of 100 great goals. Read a book about someone. Research, do your history, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, with the younger ones, we've just tried to encourage them to to use the time because you know, in the early stages of lockdown, you know, doing keep me up is you know, if you if you did 10, can you get up to 100? You know, some of the kids are probably up to a thousand now, and they get you get bored in the end of doing. The same same thing so it's kind of keeping them stimulated but we've tried to encourage them to you know the older ones a little bit as well to, to try and improve their tactical understanding their game so there's so many games on the telly you know you you can upload games at any time so we said as an example pick a game and you know analyse it you know what what was good in offence, what was good in transition, what was defense, uh, good in defence, stuff like that, just to give them something. You know, I would imagine some of them have had a go, some have probably left it, but if if it's helped them, you know, a few percent, then that's that's a bonus. Uh, the other thing is is red to blue. We, we've done a lot of red to blue in this time, uh, virtually, you know, via Zoom, which has been really, really helpful for people, especially in the early stages, um, because that's helped them Hope you know with, with red to blue we've got tools and mechanisms to help under pressure and and you know this this is a pressure now the pressure is building even more for people because it's the novelty's is really wearing off people are getting pretty you know stressed out with, with, with the lockdown so red to blue has been uh, good that you know the first uh, two we did were great responses from parents some of them didn't realize it helped how much it helped them Um, because a lot of them were in the background while we're coaching the kids, but then all of a sudden they're picking up on it and going, oh, yeah, I didn't realise we could do that. So that's been a real positive.
0: Um, I think one of the best resources that that we put out there was um, we we sent a resource to all the players on tasks around the house and and other things, so non-football-related tasks. I mean... You know, skills, weren't it? We uh, called
2: them other skills, didn't you?
0: Life, life skills, and, and at golf for golf, we pride ourselves on building the player as a whole, and and taking that whole holistic view. And if we take it from our our friends in Spain, where they uh, on their coaching side of things, they go the the person first. You know, if 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 they can't develop a good person, then they know they're not going to be able to develop a good player. Um, and so we sent out a few quirky ones like, um making your bed and things like that, going as far as kind of helping your parents cook a meal and prepare a meal and, and things like that. Obviously, it helps the parents or helps and hinders the parents because then you've got to go and teach them how to do it all. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things in there for, the, for these kind of kids to learn, especially when they've had everything laid on for them and um, it's, been made, it's been made easy for them. And, you know, to coin uh, one of Raymond's terms, uh, it's that curling motion, where he's just making that smooth path for them all the time. So um, that, was, that was one of the more uh, interesting things that we sent out as a resource to, to the um, players. We've not had much feedback on it yet. And every time we ask the players when we're on a Zoom call, we get a bit of a grunt back from them as opposed to kind of a real enthusiasm about what they've been learning about football. But, but we're getting there with it.
1: What well, have you all been uh, doing yourselves? Watch learning how other... to iron.
2: Red money. <laughs> yeah. All right. John, John's been too much.
3: No, yeah, I've, I've been he looks a,
2: like a, John looks like a beetroot I just had on my salad
3: earlier. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, yeah. Doing a lot of reading, uh, listening to podcasts. So um, I've been listening to there's uh, one on BBC Radio, uh, which is Don't Tell Me the Score, which is fantastic. Lots of picking up lots of um
0: John you're not supposed to be plugging other podcasts on our, on, on this podcast you know well,
3: I'm, I'm, try, I'm just trying to you know I tweeted in the other you're day supposed to have already about... been
0: listening to this podcast and this podcast only come on that's true
3: it's, yeah sorry I just uh, I listened to this one and try and perfect it um no to be fair Ellie, I've listened to your other um podcasts that you've done with through the thirds and other coaches which is partly why I sort of suggested to Andy and Jonesy about get jumping on because it's really good like the structure um Reading books, I mean, I haven't read a book since secondary school and I've now read three in the space of nine weeks. So it um, shows that you can learn, learn new skills even <laughs> even during the, these difficult times. So, um, yeah, I read Legacy, which is a fantastic book about the All Blacks. Uh, I read My Turn by Johan Cruyff, or about Johan Cruyff, which is brilliant. Um, and then up next on the list is Sacred Hoops, um, which is off of the back of Last Dance, uh, the, the coach, Phil Jackson, from that. So Yeah, a lot of reading, a lot of sunbathing, uh, getting burnt. But other than that, enjoying Mm. (laughs) enjoying my time. I
2: don't know, just jumping in there, because we've had so much, you know, oh, let's use the time, let's improve, you know. uh, I mean, Paul and I have done a lot of stuff with regards to the business. It's been really positive that where we don't normally have time to to perhaps look at areas that that we have, and and it's really been great for us. But something I did was also step away and thought, well, how am I going to chill? And, you know, I've got back yeah. into fishing, uh, you know, because it's important yeah. not to yeah. just, you know, you can get in grace, you feel guilty. Uh, I was, uh, I had a one-to-one um, mentorship thing with Raymond Verheeren on Friday um, because, you know, this week I'm supposed to be in, in Spain with, with the tour with Paul, John and everyone, and then I was going to get back Friday night Pack a bag and go back out to Atletico Madrid for a week's course with Roman Vaheren at the expert course, um, but obviously that's not happening. And he's kindly got 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 in touch with everybody and and we could uh, uh, give five questions in the burning questions that we had, and based on the response, which was um, you know massive. He he's PA then came back and said, look it's It's been great, but can you reduce your five to three the real three key ones and and then he booked us in for these one to ones and I had mine on friday and and you know uh i mean Albert Capellas is the professor, and Raymond verheeren is i don't know the doctor he's i i don't know they're just two they're, they're two guys that are having a, such a massive influence on my coaching. Um, journey and and what I'm going to impart onto the coaches that, that work with us, but in 20 minutes the the man was amazing, you know. Um, and it, you know he said when I first met him he'd said about meditation and stuff, which I took on. I took on because of the basis of him. Uh, and one thing I came up front. I thought you know what it's like yesterday's bank holiday and I spoke to Paul and he said Paul said I hope you're not working. I hope you're sitting in the sun. And I was working, but as soon as Paul said that, I went, Do you know what? You're right. So I took my laptop downstairs and, and you I know, I downstairs. joined my old fishing <laughs> lake. Um I've I've uh, I've got involved. I'm, you know, it's another real passion of mine is fishing. So as much as I love my football and I would do it twenty four hours a day, but it's actually healthy to break away a little bit, you know. I I, I remember what my wife's name is over this lockdown. <laughs> I actually remember what she looks like. <laughs> She said, I always found that I found a new husband. So all those things are really good, you know. Um, and that, and that's something I will carry forward once we go back into It's important to make sure you've got time um, for, your, for yourself. And that's and one thing Raymond said to me. I said, um, and I don't mind sharing this with you. I said, in certain situations, I feel like I'm being selfish. And it was really profound because he went, but actually, there's nothing wrong with that because he said it depends how you look and how you term selfish. So, you know, and, and, and he explained it by saying to me, look, if you're being selfish because you're doing something that eventually is going to help other people, is that really being selfish? And it made me think, and I thought, because if, if, if I go and do something, why should I feel selfish if I've actually put in the, the shift? Why should I feel so, uh, that I'm being selfish if I go and chill out? We're all entitled. Why do we work? Do we work, you know, to, to drive ourselves into the ground or do we work to give ourselves slightly better quality of life? So it was really, you know, impactful what he said to me. And I'm going I'm to share that with people as well. And when we get back to normal, you know, it would be important that people, no, no, that's it. Go and chill out. You know, you've done your bit. And, um, because otherwise you stay, you stay fresh. It's like with footballers. He uses a term, it's not tightness, it's not fitness, it's freshness. So when you get to mid-season, when you're getting to you know the, the last month of a season, the key players, the teams that go and win are the ones that maintain the freshness. They're already fit, but it's the freshness that's important. And that comes physically and mentally. Um, so, yeah, I'll be down the lake soon, guys. Enjoying it. <laughs> I'll probably, I'll I'll probably go to laptop, with, with your laptop, <laughs> I will, yeah. But you know me when I fish, I don't even catch a cold, <laughs> let alone a fish. <laughs> no, nah, I think
1: that's a nice way to finish it. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, boys. Yeah. Appreciate it a lot for coming on again. Yeah. That's great. Okay.
0: Cheers, Ali. Thanks for us. Thanks, Ali.
1: Hope you enjoyed the pod with Go for Goal. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Stay safe and healthier than this time. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.